Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from his attic. Yes, I'm live from my attic, and just as soon as we did that, always, just as soon as we came back, that train comes roaring by. It wouldn't be the Ben Jarofsky Show without a train uh, roaring past. Uh, now with me, the great, the legendary. It's been too long since he's been on the show. Atiba Buchanan, co-host of the WVON talk show. Uh, Buchanan and Seton. Atiba, welcome back, Cotter. Hey, hey, good afternoon, guys. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, we hear you loud and good. For some reason, I can't see you. It doesn't matter. It's all uh, audio anyway for my listeners. But uh, I just see a giant no, trust me, a. you're better off. You're better off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a giant A. <laughs> So much to talk about with the team, but generally before, when a team before we begin, Ben, yeah, mm-hmm. before we begin, can I just give a quick shout out to the to, to the wonderful voiceover work of Mr. Dennis Shedder? It's been so long since I've heard his wonderful work, and it was just great to hear him do that Chicago read or read. I, I just wanted to acknowledge that real quick. Thank you very much, Atiba. <laughs> what did you say, D? Thank you very much, Atiba. <laughs> yeah, people don't realize yeah. about Dennis. He's a graduate. I haven't mentioned this in a while of radio school and he's got, does voiceover work. He knows the industry inside and out. I always make fun of him because of his beard, but in reality, he's the brains behind the show in terms of the technological stuff. Uh, so yeah, he does a great job uh, with the voiceover and he's got a Absolutely. burgeoning, burgeoning career. Ladies and gentlemen, just a little shout out for him. He oh does my. freelance work. Any other podcasters out there need an engineer producer, my boy right here, he can handle it. And, uh, so, uh, Vinny J show at gmail.com. Reach out. I'll help you out. Yes. Uh, All right. I might be in touch. We're developing a podcast. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. There you go. He's very right. good at what he does. Couldn't have done this without him. All right. I know that. Enough yeah. chit chat about Dr. D. Let's get down to business. Uh, we have a lot of things to talk about. Generally, when Atiba comes on, we talk national politics. 
He's um, a team in Buchanan. You should know this uh, is a little to the left of his partner in crime, David Seaton. Let's take a little to the left out of that. Uh, he's to the left. And so when they have their, they do their show. When, uh, David is more is the centrist and a team is the lefty. Uh, and so when, when a te- they both come on my show, I, I've long since stopped having them come on together. Cause I, I just think I'm wasting a guess. So I always bring a T-bow on alone and David on alone. And you get a sense of where their brains are at from uh, what they have to say. But uh, so we're going to discuss national issues. Generally. David is a Republican that needs to come out of the closet. <laughs> Dang. He would be so mad if he heard you say that. He is. <laughs> he he is. That's exactly uh, what he is. <laughs> He's uh, a Republican that needs to come out of the closet. But go ahead. Uh, that is funny. Um, but uh, anyway, so they do a show together and it's, uh, you know, point counterpoint type thing. Uh, so when Atiba or David comes on, we generally talk national politics. That's their expertise. Uh, but Atiba, you already texted me this morning, so might as well weigh in on uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot's, uh, well, assertion, pronouncement, that she'll giving preferential treatment to uh, reporters of color uh, in one-on-one interviews when they call talking about the, the two-year anniversary. Can't believe it's two years already. Uh, so I just want to point out, uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, if you want to really make good on that, I got two friends T. B. Buchanan, David Seaton with a show on WVON anytime, <laughs> anytime. Right. <laughs> and I got another friend, Mays Jackson. He last I look, he was a black man. <laughs> Go give Mays a shout out. Yes. All right. Yes. We got another friend, Mark Sims. Yes. Mark Sims. My dear friend, Mark Sims. Right. Give right. Mark Sims a shout out. You know. <laughs> And while you're at it, call Monroe oh, Anderson. Right. Ben Zorowski yeah. knows four black people. <laughs> oh, five. Yeah. Five. Teaser, in the, in the journalism. <laughs> in the journalism trade. Who else do we yes, got? Yes, no, you could, yeah. I'm yes, no, I jest, he says. Uh, so, anyway, what's your thoughts about our comments? Well, uh, it's, it, you know, I appreciate her spirit. I do believe, even even in the total contextual piece, like when you look at everything that she said, I get where she's coming from. I still think that her messaging could have been a little better because the, the backlash from what she said and, and the way people are trying to oversimplify what she said was pretty predictable. And so with, with, as, many, with as many legitimate criticisms that we have of her administration right now, this is kind of a this is this is a loss that she didn't necessarily need to take. Um, I guess there is no way. I guess there probably isn't a way to say what she said without getting some kind of backlash. But I still think the messaging could have been a little clearer, a little crisper. That said, when you when I look at the backlash to her statement and the oversimplification oversimplification of it, I'm I'm not surprised, but still disappointed. It's kind of like it's kind of like when 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 white people say. Well, what if we had a white entertainment channel? <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, um, the, when you make those types of statements and when they say, well, what if a white person is said when they, when they make those oversimplifications, what they're doing is, is effectively taking out all of the historical context in which something like that is born out of. People do not make statements like she made out of a vacuum, out of thin air. And so we, we have to be cognizant of the spirit in which it was said and, and the historical context that would make someone even have that line of thinking. 
Fair enough. Uh, I, I would, I, as I pointed out on my opening, I'd like to see a little more diversity when it comes to the economic development program. How about that at TV Buchanan? Uh, where the way we uh, distribute uh, economic yeah. development dollars, uh, as long as you're talking about diversity. Uh, but uh, your point is uh, well taken. Well, 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 let me say this about the diversity, especially in, in news and media and, and why it's so important. Because when, when most people hear diversity, especially in media, what they tend to think about is the fairness portion of it. Um, and and it, is, it is a matter of fairness in so much as, you know, there should be, if there's a certain percentage of the population that does whatever, then, then their, their voices should be represented in, in keeping with the percentage of, of that particular view or group, group of people or whatever, or whatever it is. But not only is it about fairness in the media, it's also about relevance because there are experiences that come with being black. There are experiences that come with being part of the LGBTQ community. There are experiences that come with being an Asian American that are unique to that particular platform. And when you have those voices represented and that experience represented, it actually makes for a better, more robust, more inclusive product. So it's not just a, you know, if a paper or a magazine or a television station, if they want to remain relevant, it, it would be in their best interest to have, again, at least the level of diversity that is represented throughout the country. Yeah, you're, you're making a very good point. And if you uh, look at what she said uh, in terms of uh, hiring practices uh, at the mainstream papers or news outlets, uh, then she's making a very compelling point. If you take it, uh, though, in the context of her recent exchanges with the press, it's a different story, uh, Atiba. You know what I'm saying? So, for instance, we've been talking a lot about uh, this on the show, just finished an interview with Tom Shuba, about the hacked email. And so uh, the the mayor's response to news stories generated from emails that have been hacked uh, that show that maybe ma- many of her public pronouncements are not substantiated by her sort of private uh, thoughts and policies behind the scenes that she's not revealing to the public. And her response uh, to reporters when they come a calling is, "That's I cannot answer that. Those those email, emails were stolen. I can't authenticate uh, guarantee that they're authentic." And so I'm not going to answer any questions about it. So when you put it in the context of that story and her relations with the press, it almost makes it seem like she's trying to control the news and trying to what? It limit access. Uh, It's just like an extension of limiting access to the mayor. What's your thoughts about that? Well, you know, if that's her response, right, to me, one, it's not a surprise. If you, if any politician, including the most beloved, <laughs> were hacked, I'm, I'm sure that we would begin to see uh, some, some, a lot of daylight between what they say publicly and what they may think privately. Yeah. Um, so that part, that of it, that part of it is not a surprise at all. For her to then subsequently respond like a politician, just confirms to me that indeed she is a politician. Um, her response sounds very typical that any public relations expert would tell their clients to say. 
um, you know, again, they're not going to, you know, instead, instead of addressing the substance of what's in the emails, uh, she will, she will, she then deflects to how the emails were acquired. So that's actually a very good uh, Republican kind of deflection. Like, like instead of, instead of addressing the substance of what was said in something or instead of addressing the substance of a vote, they talk, they complain about the process mm-hmm. and, and, and that type of deflection can be effective. So um, I, I, again, she, to me, she's just being a politician. Uh, Atiba, are you saying that? Like, That's not just saying that she's right. I'm just saying yeah. that she's, that she's typical. Yeah. Atiba, are you saying that uh, like your partner, David Seaton, uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot is a closeted Republican? No, no, not at all. But she is smart <laughs> enough to use uh, yeah. Republican tactics yeah. to get out of a hot seat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, I, 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 some might argue that uh, as a centrist, uh, she's a little closer to Republicans than she is, or to the old school moderate Republicans than she is uh, to the left wing of the Democratic Party. All right, let's move on uh, from local news and let's talk about national news. And you pointed something out to me. Uh, today, sure. when we were discuss, uh, we were talking before the show. Uh, Republicans, um, wow! The Republicans seem to be uh, sort of losing their minds at the moment. Not quite sure which direction uh, to go. Uh, the the good portion of the party is <laughs> staying loyal to Donald John Trump, no matter where he takes them. Uh, there is a small uh, minority that uh, wants to separate from Trump, but with each passing day, Atiba. There's more evidence uh, that they are being squashed and that for better or for worse, the Republicans are going to head into the next election cycle 100 percent behind Donald Trump, just where they were at the last election cycle, as though nothing that has occurred since uh, Election Day in November, the insurrection in January uh, and everything else has happened. Is that your read? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you you say a small minority. It's actually a minority of a minority. <laughs> As you said, they are being squashed. We have seen Liz Cheney uh, ousted from her leadership position, not because she broke rank on a policy position, because frankly, they don't have any policy positions right now, but because she broke rank on the big lie, the lie that Donald Trump actually won the election and that he was cheated out of the election and that Joe and that Joe Biden is an illegitimate president. It is absolutely stunning. I, we, we talked about this on our show and I just reminded the listeners because, you know, Liz Cheney, it doesn't have like an everyday name, uh, you know, in most households. However, you know, to most people that that last name Cheney might ring a bell. And I'm like, if, if, if that name sounds familiar, it's because her father, again, the architect of the Iraq war was, uh, again, the vice president under George H.W. Uh, Bush or George W. Bush, excuse me. And so when we look at when we look at her lineage, when we look at where she comes from, this lady has she was born <laughs> with the with the with the reddest Republican blood you can be born with. And that means nothing to Trump's Republican Party. It is absolutely stunning. And it is. And for me, it is it is frightening where they're looking to take the country and not only where they're looking to take it, because I don't think they'll ever be in leadership position to do the things that they, that they want to do. But what they do do, unfortunately is disrupt Democrats ability and our, and our ability as a whole to move forward with legislation that will benefit all American people, Republican and Democrat alike. 
ITB, you said you don't think they'll be in a position uh, to uh, controlling uh, the majority and in, in position of majority controlling Congress. Uh, I'm not sure I s- share your optimism as we head into uh, the next election cycle. I'm concerned about. I, uh, I, I meant all three uh, houses. That's what I when I say that I meant all three houses. But I, I do share I do share your concern. Absolutely. But yeah, I just meant I don't see them in a position where they have the trifecta again. But, but I do share your concern about the uh, midterms coming up in 2022. Yeah, talk about that a little bit. What are you concerned about? Exactly. What are your specific? Yeah, concerns? sure. So <laughs> let's start with the simplest, easiest. Sure, we, the simplest, easiest evaluation is the Senate because we literally, when I say we, I mean Democrats, only hold a majority by the vote of the vice president. Mm-hmm. And so with that said, come 2022, we can, the Democrats cannot afford to lose a single seat. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the, the uh, most obvious seat that they may lose is Reverend Warnock because he's up in 2022. He won in a special election. And so we are concerned because if they lose, if, if Republicans flip that one seat, you know, we, we're back to we're back to the turtle in position. And by the turtle, I mean Mitch McConnell. Yeah. And so, you know, that that all, you know, again, already without without getting rid of the filibuster, they're able to derail more things than they, than they should be able to. If and Mitch McConnell has made it absolutely clear that even in his major in minority position, his his singular purpose, his singular focus is to basically deny this administration, any legislation that they want to get done. And we, and, and, and if that sounds like a broken record or something you've heard before, uh, it's, if you have, if you're feeling deja vu, it's because he uttered almost those exact same words in 2008 when president Obama won. Yeah. I, um, what would your advice, uh, to Warnock be in this very contentious time where, Every issue is inflamed. Absolutely. Um, I would not just give advice to Reverend Warnock. I would give advice to the DNC because we, there needs to be a national supportive arm behind him to get this man reelected. Because here's the first thing I would remind them of. Uh, the American Rescue Plan. We didn't have a single... Republican, not a single Republican vote for it. People have gotten that money and to the tunes of thousands of dollars, depending upon the size of your household. And mm-hmm. that money literally saved a lot of families from being evicted, from being able to put um, food on the table, from getting, you know, from being able to go ahead and get car repairs and all the things that they need to do. There's not a single Republican that thought they were worthy of that money. Uh, every everything that we've seen as far as Republicans wanting to get rid of uh, the the uh, unemployment benefits, you know, we need to those people need to be reminded. Uh, even even the expansion of the uh, vaccination process through the Biden administration, again, without without Democrats, you know, it's we'd have a bunch of vaccines sitting on shelves that are st- with a bunch of confusion as to how to get them into Americans' arms. So again, as we begin to open up this economy, as as we see now that people can take the mask off and people can begin to go to concerts and baseball games and see loved ones. Democrats did that. And they need to be reminded of that. And I hope, I hope that Democrats as a whole come 2022 are able to effectively get that messaging out there because not only, not only should that, not only should Republicans lose, they deserve to lose because there is not a single policy initiative that they are presenting to the American people uh, at all 
at least at least of all for the good of the people. You, the only thing that they're doing right now is supporting Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Atiba, how concerned are you about the various uh, initiatives throughout the country, not just the South, but it's also going on in the North as well, uh, to make it more difficult or challenging to get out and vote, suppressing the vote? How concerned are you about that? Extremely, because that is the brilliance of the Republican Party. The one, the one thing that they are good at is just having total fealty to whatever the line is. And right now, the line is the big lie and that there needs to be all this election integrity when we all know that, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm taken back to Donald Trump when he was president during his administration. He developed a whole uh, elections integrity task force headed by Chris Kobach, was it? Yeah. The, the, the voter suppression guru. And and after a year or two, what did they what did they conclude? There's no evidence of any widespread voter fraud. They couldn't find they They were paid to find voter fraud and couldn't do it. Hmm. And so here we are, you know, a couple of years later, still still walking down that line because we know it isn't about voter fraud. It's about retaining power. And Republicans have said out loud that they understand that the more people vote, the less likely they are to win. And so instead of coming up with policies that, that would engender more people to their way of thinking, they've just decided to go ahead at every level, local, state, federal, to do what they can to prevent people from voting. We saw it happen in Georgia. We've seen it happen in Texas. We're seeing it happen in Florida. And not only are they doing that, the other thing that concerns me is the legislation that's being passed to prevent people from being able to uh, exercise their First Amendment right to protest. Yeah. They're even trying to criminalize that. So there's a lot that they're doing in the big scheme of things to, to try and uh, retain, to get back and retain power. Yeah, no, and, uh, and more punitive uh, laws regarding uh Election judges, uh, punitive laws uh, in states like Georgia that would enable uh, the the legislators to uh, overrule uh, the election, the secretary of state, the state officials who are whose job it is to to oversee elections. So, yeah, they're making a they're making a move. And you you said it that the the lie that they've been promoting for the last four years is that there was fraud. There's no evidence of fraud and yet they keep promoting it. And this gets to what just went down Atiba uh, in uh, Washington regarding a January 6th commission. Uh, and this was supposed to be a bipartisan commission, uh, both appointees, Republicans and Democrats, congressmen, senators to investigate uh, what happened. What was the sources of the uh, riot at the white house on January 6th? We all saw it. When uh, Trump gave a speech and his uh, followers marched on to Congress. Uh, well, the news today before we went on the air is that Mitch McConnell uh, and Kevin McCarthy, the uh, the leader, of the, the Republican leader of the House, have joined forces to block that because they say they also want it uh, to investigate uh, Antifa rioting and Black Lives Matter rioting. And Atiba, this is right out of the playbook that you were talking about. Uh, this is just perpetuating certain myths that will fire up their base and uh, divert their uh, detention, distract voters, uh, and keep us from getting at the truth. How successful do you think they're going to be with this? I think think that they've already had some degree of success because 
we all know that if though if that was a Muslim organization, a terrorist, if there was if those were Muslim terrorists that, that had stormed the White House, if that was Black Lives Matter that stormed the White House, then we would we we would not be arguing about whether or not there should be a bipartisan effort to get to the bottom of it. So they've already had some success in derailing this, and I, and I do believe that they're going to have uh, some continued measure of success as we look forward. I, I do not look, I do not uh, have a lot of confidence in the system to hold people accountable, because that's the only way to deter something like this from happening again is for people to really be held accountable in a in a significant way. And based on the, the historical nature of this country. I really don't believe. I really don't believe that that's the case. Um, I think back to the Mueller report, and I think back to. I'm sure you remember, Mr. Jarofsky, how how uh, excited we were and how hopeful we were <laughs> that Bob Mueller, who had what two years to put all this together, that he was going to come back and and with all with all the resources of the federal government and all these investigators, he was going to really get to the bottom of what happened. And they and not to say that he didn't, but because of William Barr being in place, we weren't we were never able to get the the justice that was supposed to happen out of that incident. And so I don't you know, and just using that as one example. So I don't have a lot of faith in in what's going to happen to the people that stormed the Capitol. And I don't have a lot of faith. I mean, Matt Gates is still a congressman. Yeah. I mean, Matt Gates, the, the the you know, the almost pretty much confirmed child molester is not only but he's doubling down on his position. So I just don't see this this situation where Republicans in general are, are held to account ever. That the party that's supposed to be about all this self accountability, uh, they don't they they they're never held to account. And I don't really I don't feel enthusiastic about what's happening with this. I, I you know again Benghazi we had four oh Americans die some seven thousand miles away, and we had and we had seven congressional hearings over four years. And now uh, we get the Capitol building stormed, and we and we can't even get a coalition together to to figure out what happened. It's it's disgusting. Yeah, no. What they're uh, what they're obviously trying to do is associate uh, what went down the uh, in in Washington on January sixth with uh, the unrest over the summer. And so, just in everybody's, it's like in, in people's minds, it's well, they're both bad. They're, you know, what I'm saying, it's but there, there's bad people on both sides so it's a wash that's right. clearly what they're trying to do well i was going to say i was i was just about to say that it's it's a, it's the classic both sides argument um and 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 again usually when that occurs the the type of resistance that that that, that messaging needs to be met with uh we we really don't see that resistance in mass like we should but we should not allow them to both sides i know that was kevin mccarthy's argument specifically and we should not allow them to both sides this situation because it is not the same. The FBI said clearly that the biggest threat to this country was white supremacist terrorism. And, and so, you know, we, we need to, we need to just like COVID, we need to follow the science. We need to, we need to follow uh, what has been, what has been said. And then what we now have evidence of. So it just, it just disappoints me that, that we are, that we are where we are and that, you know, that they're trying to whitewash this. Again, we, we discussed the comments from the one congressman, stunning that he, you know, in, in his words, you know, if you just watch the video, it just looks like any other normal gathering. Meanwhile, we had, I think, three officers that are dead. One lady, was, at least five people died in the incident. 
it's just stunning to me. Yeah. By the way, I neglected. Oh my goodness. I'm going to send that to Dennis right now to play that Atiba. I humbly apologize. Uh, I got so overwhelmed. Atiba was so dutiful as to send you me. You forgot? I know. I forget. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I'm doing this while I'm in the air. Here we go. Uh, right, I'll let it this out. Uh, <laughs> did you hear what he said? I'm texting this to Dennis right now. Hold on. Just pretend you're not hearing what this, ladies say? and gentlemen. Said so I'll edit this part out. Don't worry. Yeah, he's editing it. I just texted to Dennis. Ladies and gentlemen, Adiba Buchanan went out of his way to send me. Oh, Adiba, can I tell the whole story, please? Can I let me tell the whole story? So Atiba was sending me, uh, you know, I, please, we, please, we, please. We, we, we contacted each other this morning. Wait, wait, what do you want to talk about, Atiba? I'll talk about anything. You, you tell me what you want to talk about. So he sent me the Lori Lightfoot thing. Let's talk about that. Okay, cool. Uh, and then he sent me this clip about this goofy Republican congressman who is out of his freaking mind. And then he also sent me a wedding invitation. <laughs> I'm like, huh? What? <laughs> It was it was obviously inadvertent. Uh, <laughs> but he sent me, Mr. and Mrs. Steve are getting married. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> uh, it's good to know that I'm not the only one who fumbles with uh, <laughs> even young Atiba, who's younger than I am, uh, just stumbled. So anyway, uh, uh, one of the things he sent me was this not clip of this. Uh, now my, you're younger, younger is younger. Okay. I always like to tell my older friends, you're older than me. You don't like to hear that. Uh, D, do you have that ready to go? Yes, I do. All right. Dennis is going to play it and we're, uh, a T-Bow riff on it. Go ahead, Dennis. And to call it an insurrection, in my opinion, is a bold faced lie. Watching the TV footage of those who entered the Capitol and walked through statuary hall, showed people in an orderly fashion staying between the stanchions and ropes, taking videos and pictures. You know, if you didn't know the TV footage was a video from January the 6th, you would actually think it was a normal tourist visit. So Congressman, okay, so do you stand by your statement yesterday that yesterday, that when you said yesterday it was a capital, like a capital tour? Do you, you stand by those saying, statements? Do you regret saying that? Five, five people died, including police officers, and you're here today honoring police officers. <clears throat> if you're honest in your statement. What's wrong about it when that's what you said? Think about what you just said. You didn't take what I said in context at all. So can so, you explain, so to, us. explain, explain to us? Explain to us. Explain to us. Go listen to what I said. Okay. We did. So Do you believe what? that January 6th was was an insurrection? Yes, Ajiba. First of all, f- first of all, thank you for sharing. So he that. said, "Yeah, it was an." Order, orderly fashion. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, but see, but you know, I, I just have to say this. So he said it was an orderly fashion. Orderly fashion. But you would like my favorite part of it in a weird way are the reporters. I just, there's some of my, 
the reporters just coming at them. You know what I'm saying? It's it, I, I talk about this all the time when I'm watching a movie with my wife and there's this, the, the obligatory scene right, where the, right. a person walks out of a room and there's just a horde of reporters yelling questions at them. Like, oh, we always look so bad, the reporters, the press corps in these movies. But, you know, they're doing their job, Atiba, uh, trying to hold them accountable. Uh, but, yeah, that seems to be the new Republican spin, that it was just a bunch of good people walking through uh, Congress. He said, normal tourist visit. Mm-hmm. That's what he described that as. So, uh, you know, again, this, this, is what the, this is what they're looking to do, to, you know, tell you you cannot believe your lying eyes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, is, it is astonishing to me. And it is really particularly upsetting to me because of who it's coming from. This is supposed to be the law and order party. This is supposed to be the party that is behind the police. And these are supposed to be the constitutionalists as well. And all of that stuff really means nothing to them. Supporting police means nothing. They're police traumatized. You've seen them all on CNN and MSNBC explaining the trauma and the PTSD that, they, that they've dealt with since this insurrection attempt. Uh, again, so, for, so for coming from that party that's supposed to be about self-accountability, supporting the police, that supporting the Constitution, again, it, it is ama- the, the level of hypocrisy is bottomless. Uh, you talked about the lack of accountability for Donald Trump, and yet today's uh, uh, newspaper was uh, filled with stories about uh, two prosecutions, two investigations, let's just say, taking place in New York, a civil investigation, a criminal investigation into Donald Trump's uh, financial yep. wheeling and dealing with the Trump Organization. Not so much what he did as president, but what he did as a businessman. Do you have any hope uh, that these investigations result in criminal uh, or uh, indictments? No, I don't. I don't. Um, For a couple of reasons. The the main reason is I I don't think America as a country has any appetite for putting a former president in jail. Mm. And you can make an argument for that. You know, there's certainly an argument to be made. It, w- it would be a complete and utter embarrassment to see a former president locked up. Um, but if but if any former president ever deserved to be <laughs> locked up, yeah. it is Donald J. Trump far and away. Not because I don't like him personally, but because he was he was he was corrupt to his core. There was, I don't think there was any level. I mean, every, everything, every decision he made, he made through the lens of corruption. And, and the, the question was always, how can he directly benefit from the decision he's making? He did not ever make decisions based on the benefit of the American people. So if there's anyone who ever deserved to go to jail, it is him. But again, I, I really don't think that we as a country have an appetite to actually send a former American president to jail, especially given the backlash that it I think I think we're so scared of his supporters. Yeah. Additionally, that I really don't see it happening. I think I think there's some, I think there'll be some type of ceremonial slap on the hand, but I don't think anything substantive is going to come from it. And they're having a hard time flipping the people that are nearest to him. No one no one of substance has been flipped yet, uh, except for Michael Cohen, his uh, former lawyer, uh, who's been begging investigators to go after Trump. Uh, he had a conversion as he was heading off to prison 
uh, Atiba, and uh, he's been but pushing that's my that. Point. He's still, yeah. he's still right, and that's my point. Though he's still having to beg people to listen to him. Yeah, and so when I when I look at you know when I look at that, I just I, I don't I don't I don't feel confident. Rudy, Rudy Giuliani should also be in jail. Um, and again, I don't, I don't have a, lo- a whole lot of confidence. You know, they, they raided his house and that's fine. But I, again, I, I don't have a lot of confidence when I look at what happened with Michael Flynn, you know, it's just over and over again, people that should just flat out be in jail and uh, Roger Stone and granted Trump had a lot to do with that, obviously, mm-hmm. but ultimately whatever it is, I don't think that, I don't think I don't have a lot of confidence. All right. Uh, we'll close with your assessment of uh, president Biden in particular, how he's handling uh, the and, fighting and, and that's what was going his campaign on. manager's name. Oh, Paul Manafort. You're speaking of Paul Manafort, uh, who Donald Trump's campaign manager, correct? In, in Israel? Yes. Paul uh, yes. Thank you. Uh, no, yeah. Just somebody else that should be in jail. Yeah. Uh, all right. right. So let's yes. get uh, to, to let's talk a little about Joe Biden. We uh, this is my uh, the final thing I was going to ask you about. In your opinion, is there much difference? We talked about this briefly before we went in the air between how uh, Joe Biden, President Biden, is handling uh, the conflict, the war in uh, the Middle East, the fighting between Israel in Pal- uh, Palestine, uh, in Gaza, I should say. It's kind of one-sided. It was really hard to call it fighting. Uh, and the way Donald Trump would have handled it. What's your thoughts about this, Atiba? Well, okay. So every American president, for the most part, and, and I would say modern president, past, you know, past five, six presidents, has pretty much supported Israel. And if they haven't supported them outright, they've tacitly supported them uh, by pretty much backing off, which is kind of President Obama's stance. You know, he wasn't, you know, he and Netanyahu obviously didn't get along, but, you know, there wasn't a lot of resistance, per se, from the Obama administration. You know, a few words and warnings, kind of like his red line statement, you know, that's, that's not as far as he ever got with Israel. Trump, on the other hand, embraced Netanyahu wholeheartedly, mm-hmm. right? So let's look at a few things here. In, in, in 2017, Trump supported uh, the move of the uh, embassy to the uh, U.S. embassy to Jerusalem, um, and, and basically, you know, calling that the capital of Israel. And and that was something that, you know, while while it was approved by U.S. presidents, I think three or four administrations prior, no one had ever actually done anything about it until the Trump administration. In 2019, Trump officially recognized Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights as well. Uh, Again, something that no U.S. president had ever done before, uh, just furthering and emboldening uh, the encroachment into Palestine and and, and with these settlements by Israel. Um, and, And then Trump also cut off American support for the U.N. aid program for Palestinian refugees. So Biden has pledged to resume sending millions of dollars in assistance to that. Um, but again, that, you know, we, we have not seen Biden, while he's not hugging Netanyahu like Trump was, we have not seen the United States really take a firm position. He is once again kind of like President Obama, kind of staying out of the fray. And, and, and that's disappointing. So unfortunately, uh, the two-state solution, we haven't even heard that phrase in a long time. It, the, the, the possibility of that seems to be dissipating, you know, by the day and without strong U.S. leadership and, and, and negotiations um, in, in that, we're, that's, that's not going to be a possibility. I don't know how this ends. Yeah. 
I'm with you, Tiba. I've uh, never been more uh, what uh, disheartened about the possibilities of peace in the Middle East. Look, it was always a long shot to put it mildly, uh, but I believe a couple things have really uh, just made this one this uh, this current conflict so much more uh, unsolvable than anyone before. And I say that knowing that we never really came close a couple times with the, during the Clinton years with the, with the uh, negotiations, uh, Camp David Accords. But I, I just, at this moment, Atiba, I do not see a path uh, to reconciliation. And one part of it is the way it's become politicized in this country, uh, where Netanyahu is uh, essentially linked himself with a Trump, the Trump portion of the Republican party and embrace Trump and vice versa. And it just makes it that much more difficult to Tiba to, for Israel uh, to then turn around and make an appeal to the democratic party in this country. As egregious as things are anyway, in the, as one sided as this conflict is right now, anyway, it's that much harder to follow me Atiba. So I always try to end the show with a little optimism. At this point, I'm really having trouble finding anything remotely optimistic. What are your thoughts? (laughs) Help me out. (laughs) Yeah, I hope that Joe Biden is able to articulate. I hope that Joe Biden is able to articulate a clear message because, to be honest with you, he's kind of international, uh, his international policy agenda has actually kind of uh, been wanting, right? When you look at how he's handled the border, he's, you know, he's flip-flopped on, we're going to take refugees, we're not going to take refugees. Um, you know, he's having a hard time appeasing the left wing of his party. So he's, ha- he's having a hard time finding a sweet spot. Um, but he, and I'm disappointed because I really believe that's, the, that's an area that he would have flourished. Joe Biden is no stranger to this. Um, so I, I would I would like to think that he would that he would develop a, a clear vision as far as what the U.S. policy and what we're going to support um, for, for both the Palestinian people and Israel. And, I, and again, I just I know for a fact that the, that that situation cannot be resolved without strong, uh, relevant support from the United States. We have we we have to be involved in that situation uh, because we have too much power. We have we have enough power to help support both those sides, and we can leverage that power to help bring both those sides to the table. And so I hope Joe Biden is able to articulate that in some meaningful way uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah, well, it's a lot on Joe Biden's agenda. He's got to get a lot of domestic issues through Congress too. So you're right. He probably wasn't looking uh, to have to add this exceedingly difficult task. Uh, I, re- I just remember Jimmy Carter uh, a- a- and Bill Clinton, who are right. detail-oriented right. presidents, just diving into this, uh, almost as though they enjoyed the give and take of it all. Uh, all right, Atiba, I'm going to let you go. I want you, before you leave, I want you to tell everybody where they can listen to your show, because I know exactly. Lori Lightfoot. Lori Lightfoot's going to be coming on as a guest anytime soon. She's going to make good on that, be a guest in your show. So tell folks where they can listen uh, to your show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Absolutely. You can listen to the Buchanan and Seton Show on WVON AM 1690. Uh, you can also live stream with us at WVON.com, and it is also an iHeartRadio station. Very good. Atiba, thank you very much uh, for coming on the Friday show. Friday nights from 9 until midnight. My apologies. Yes, and that's when uh, Lori Life is going to be on. I could just see it right now. Uh, thank you, sir. Grilled. I appreciate the opportunity, as always. Great talking to both of you. All right, very good. That's a great Atiba Buchanan. <laughs> thank you very much. And uh, I, I also want to that. I receive that. I, I really, and I want to see her on your show as well. You're Thank not going <laughs> to see that happen anytime soon. All right, the TV Buchanan. I uh, also want to thank Thomas Schubert from the Chicago Sun Times, uh, the reporter who has done such a great job at, uh, oh God, just sort of explaining what's going on with the hacked emails. And uh, as I said, Freddie Martinez will be on the show next week. And of course, I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom the show would be possible. And that would be the man that Atiba and Freddie Martinez and Tommy Shubu will tell you back home in Alton. They call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky or wherever else you download your favorite podcast. You can always send us an email, BennyJShow at gmail.com. Reach us on social media at BennyJShow, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J, show. And you can call our program. It's true. We have a phone number, 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. Don't believe me? Well, consider these facts. <laughs>